go. Man, uh, like I said, I'm so glad you guys are here. Um, I've been really pumped about this whole series that we've been going through, this whole idea of us being made for mission, because it's my heart um, that I, I think every single one of us, we talked two weeks ago, we talked about every one of us has a calling. Um, every single one of us, there is a calling on our lives. There's a purpose that God has for us, and, and we, we, can't, we can't get by with that. We can't, like, avoid that. If we're followers of Christ this morning, God has placed a mission on our lives, and, and we are called and commanded to live that out. And I don't think we ever find that fullness, what we talked about here, that more until we're living out the way God has called us to live it out. And then last week we talked about, okay, if we're called, then what's my mission? And we found out it's simply just to continue the mission that Jesus started. He came, he, he, he preached, he lived, he died, he gave us life to reconcile the world back to God. And that is our, that's our mission now. We continue that mission. We carry that with us and we continue to what he does. And there are so many distractions in our life. And I hope over this past week you got a chance to really think about that. If you are here last week, you know, some people actually like wrote some stuff down. I've been praying. If you did, I've been praying for you. Um, but just to remove those distractions, that it's all about Jesus. Listen, I, I believe with all my heart, this church, my life, and everything, it's all about Jesus. That's the number one thing. Seek first his kingdom, then everything else kind of works itself out. God works it all out, but we seek first there. And so we're at this point now, kind of at the halfway mark, where, okay, I, I know I'm called. I know I'm supposed, my mission is Jesus' mission. That, that's what it is, but... But that means I probably have to say something. So what do I say? And I think this is where we most get tripped up. It's like if I know what my mission is, if I know the, then how do I how do I communicate that? What what do I say? And the matter and the truth of the matter is, is a lot of times when I'm standing up here, it says go share the gospel, go share the gospel, go share the gospel. For a lot of us, we look at that and it's like a foreign language. We're like. What do I say? What do I do? And, and, and I, I've experienced that. Like A lot of you guys know I'm, I'm a security officer at Universal Studios. <coughs> and one of the places that I sit a lot of times in the morning is right at the front of where everybody kind of walks in in the morning. And I'm just standing there. And I'm there so they see a security officer. They can ask their questions. And right now, this is the time of year that it's like Brazilian and South American tour time. And there's just huge tours coming. And I love they come up to me and they're like, Oh, hable espanol. I'm like, ah, poquito. <laughs> and obviously that means a little, but you can speak as fast as you want in Spanish because they just start going. <laughs> Universal Studios is that way. Islands of Adventure is that way. <laughs> that way. <laughs> or <coughs> Entrada. <laughs> That way, I mean, it just. But I think sometimes it feels like that. Like when I sit up here, and I understand there's a little bit of anxiety, there's a little bit of fear. Like what, what's my message then? What what do I say, and and how I do? Because it seems like a foreign language. And this morning, that's what I want to talk about because it's really not as hard as we've made it. It's a lot simpler. My message, your message, is the same. And hopefully at the end of this morning, you're going to be able to walk out here and says, wow, that's easy. That's a no-brainer. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 8. If you don't have Bibles, we have them spread out around. Um, if you don't have one, you're missing one, or you like ours, put your name in it. It's a gift to you. You can take it. If you'd rather use an electronic device, you can sign into our Wi-Fi, GBC Guest. Just type in Find More, all lower caps, and you can follow along there. But um, as you guys know, and 
I'm never going to stop saying it. These are the only words that matter. I mean, these, uh, my words mean absolutely nothing. My opinions, all these great theologians, all these things that I read, they're awesome, but these are the words that change lives. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will remain. And so out of respect and out of acknowledgement of the authority of this, I'm going to ask if you'll just stand with me as we open up God's word this morning. In Luke 8, starting at verse 26, <coughs> excuse me, Luke writes this. Then they sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he got out on land, a demon-possessed man from the town met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes and did not stay in a house but in the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said in a loud voice, What do you have to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torment me. For he commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him. And though he was guarded, bound by chains and shackles, he would snap the restraints and be driven by the demon into, de- into deserted places. What is your name? Jesus asked him. Legion, he said, because many demons have entered him. And they begged him not to banish them to the abyss. A large herd of per- pigs was there feeding on the hillside. The demons begged him to permit them to enter the pigs, and he gave them permission. The demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. Will you pray with me? God, I just thank you for this morning. <coughs> Father, I thank you for the opportunity once again just to s- stand here. God, I'm, I'm just, I'm humbled that you let me do this. God, because you don't need me to preach. You don't need us to sing. You don't need any of that, God. But you invite us into your presence this morning. God, you allow us to hear and to understand to be changed by your word. And that's what I pray this morning. God, first, that these words would be yours, not mine. God, that you would just move and meet every heart where they're at. God, you know every situation, you know every circumstance, you know every trial, you know every joy, you know everything that's going on in our lives right now, God. And Father, you love us enough to meet us right in the midst of that. But God, you love us even more not to leave us there. God, to move us on. And so that's what I pray this morning. Just movement, God, that we would just continue to move towards your kingdom, your calling, what you have placed us here to do. God, would you give us ears to hear this morning, give us hearts to respond and the courage to do something about it. Father, this would not be a wasted hour, God, that we would leave changed, that we would leave encouraged, emboldened, God, to carry this message, this mission that you have placed on us. So, Father, we just ask that you have your way this morning in our lives. Whatever needs to be dealt with, let it be dealt with this morning. God, let us leave here with no unfinished business. And, God, may you move in such a way that you're the only one that can get credit, that you're the only one that can get glory. God, we give you this time, and we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So what's my message? It's an interesting passage that we're going through right now. As you hear and stuff, it sounds more like a scary, like, goosebump story than, than anything. But before we actually get to what my message is, I need to give you some kind of precursors, just kind of some setup <coughs> um, to it and some understanding that there's a few things that we need to know 
if I know I'm called and I'm on purpose and I'm on mission and I have a message, the very first thing I have to do, I have to choose and I have to be resolute about is that I have to be willing to take the message. But before I ever give you the message, it'd be easy this morning just to sit here like, here's the message. Here's all. This is what you say. This is what you do. And that's it. And just give you something blank. But you have to be willing and I have to be willing to take the message to where it needs to go. And I think that's part of the problem, first of all, that we know that we have to go wherever God says. I want you to look at this because there's some really interesting stuff. And we're going to just live in this passage, in this chapter this morning. But look at verse 26 again, verse 26 and 27. It says, then they sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is opposite of Galilee. And when he got out on land, a demon-possessed man from the town met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes and did not stay in the house but in the tombs. I want you to understand something about this region. This was not a region good little Jewish boys went to. They crossed the lake. They went to an area that was non-Jews. They went to a place where, where um, it was the bad part of town. If you can think about that. I mean, if you've lived someplace or you've lived here in a while, we know the areas that are like, I don't want to drive around through there. I don't want to hang out in there. But these guys specifically went to a bad part of town where, where no one was really happy. They didn't like the Jews there. They, they were non-Jews. There was kind of tension. There was animosity. There was all kinds of stuff. But that's where Jesus took his disciples. You know, I, I, I love it because most, most theologians agree, and I agree with them, that the disciples on average at an age right now, we're probably about 15 to 17 years old. So Jesus was the first youth pastor. <laughs> Could you imagine that w- um, permission statement? I want to take them to like the worst, the crack area of, of Orlando and stuff. So can you just sign the permission statement so I can take your kids to the worst area in town? <laughs> I mean, we talked a little bit about this last week that we always pray for safety. And I think that Jesus' idea is not always to keep us safe. I think of all people on the planet, Christians and followers of Christ should be the most dangerous people on the planet and be willing to go to the scariest places. And so we have to be willing to take that that message to where it is. Uh, I mean, look and, and look what happens. Here's, here's this guy. He, he's demon possessed. No one likes him. He's all by himself. He's ripped chains. He's deserted from his family. And I love that Jesus looks at him. Look at verse 30. And he asked him a simple question, what is your name? What is your name? Back, back up just a little bit, in verse 28, it says, And when he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and said in a loud voice, What do you have to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torment me. And it tells a story, for he commanded the unclean spirit to come out of many, the man many times, that it seized him, and though he was guarded, bound by chains and shackles, he would snap the restraints and be driven by the demon in the desert place. Not only was it willing to take the message to place, but they were taking it to a people that probably he didn't really want to hear it. That was his question. What, what, what do you want from me? And the truth is, is the world out there, the people out there that we're dealing with and the people that we're, I'm telling you, go share the gospel and we're trying to reach are people that are looking at God saying, I don't need this. In fact, the vast majority says religion's done me wrong. Think about this man for a second. Think about this guy. Grew up in a family probably loving, and then all of a sudden these voices come on, these things happen, and the demon possession happens. He's ostracized from his community. 
He's ostracized by his own parents. In one of the most religious areas of land, he probably hears and sees all the stuff going on, and yet he's ostracized and put out and everything. And so a lot of the people that we are coming up to that we have to bring this message to and take them are going to be a little, there's a little animosity against them. They're going to be asking us, what do you want? What does your God want from me? We need to understand that before we ever get to the message that we live countercultural. We live in a world that is going the opposite way from God as we are going towards God. And that means we are fighting upstream. That means we're going to face friction. We're going to face problems. We're going to face um, just all kinds of trash and garbage. The question is, are we willing to take that message to those places? That's what we're called to do. I mean, guys, it's easy to come in here and sing some songs. It's easy to raise your hand and feel all warm and fuzzy and feel really good. But this is not where we're called to be. We're called to be out there in those hard places, in those terrible places, in those terrifying places, because that's where the gospel is needed. And that's the message we've got. And so I, I, I love that he says again in verse 30, what is your name? Legion, he said, because many dem demons had entered him. We're not only dealing with a group uh, where we're taking the message, we're dealing with an entire culture that's lost its identity. Do we understand that? There's a reason that lost people don't act the way Christian people act. <laughs> we get so upset. We get so mad. We watch the news like, how could they do this? What are they doing? What are these lawmakers doing? What is that person doing? These corporations, oh my gosh, they're so horrible. They don't know Jesus. They've lost their identity, our identity, our entire identity. If you don't hear anything else this morning, I want you to hear this. Our entire identity is based that we are created by a God in his image to be in relationship with him. And when we walk away from that, when all of us have walked away from that and said, I'm rather do it my way, we lose our identity. They don't even know who they are. They don't even know they need a savior most of the time. And we are so quick to give up on them. We're so quick just to say, well, I tried. I invited them to church. <laughs> By the way, that is never mentioned in the New Testament as an evangelism strategy. <laughs> Go into all the world and invite them to church. I don't think it says that. <laughs> because it, it's, 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 not, it's not about that. But the truth of the matter is, is man, we, we can answer these questions for them. We can help them find that identity because we have the answers. We found it. If you're a follower of Christ today, we have found that. And we can answer that for them. L look at verse 32 and 33. You know, they begged him. They said, oh, we're legion, and we don't want to be banished to the abyss. And look look what it says. A large herd of pigs was there feeding on the hillside. The demons begged him to permit them to enter the pigs, and he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man, entered the pigs, and had rushed down the steep bank into a lake and drowned. That's not a very pretty picture, is it? It's not, not a very pretty picture. 
But the truth of the matter is, is this man realized in probably what he always knew and what everybody else needs to know is that everything outside of God, everything that comes from outside of God leads to death. I mean, this, I mean, this is harsh. I know. I understand. This is not like, wow, I came for a warm fuzzy. Sorry, I don't do warm fuzzy very often. <laughs> but do we understand that we have an enemy and his sole purpose and his sole goal is to destroy everything that God loves. And God lo- doesn't love anything more than you and me. Everything outside of Christ leads to death. That's our enemy's goal. That's why in John 10.10, Jesus explained this. He says, a thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come so that you may have life and have it in abundance. I love the King James. That's how we got our little catchphrase. It actually says to have life and life more abundantly. See, our, our enemy, our enemy just wants to see us destroyed. That's all this man knew. That's all, that's all he heard his entire life. Was he, it was just trying to kill him and destroy him. And for whatever reason, on that day, he saw Jesus coming. And maybe he heard about it, and something inside of him made him just clench his feet down in that sand and said, I'm not moving. Probably everything in him says, get away from here. Get away. You don't want to talk to this guy. Let's get away from here. We don't want to do this. And he clenched his feet because he knew, like, my life ends in destruction. My life ends in death, and I don't want it to end that way. And can I tell you, that is the heart of everybody out there because I promise you, every person that's ever walked this planet, maybe only one time in life, there's a moment where we're asking, is there something more? Is this all there is? Because this ain't worth it. We have that answer. That is our message. That, that, is, that is what we say with these people that have lost their identity, with, with these people that are in the hard places and the scary places. That, that is, <coughs> that is what, what's there. Before you ever know the message that we're supposed to carry, we have to be willing saying, God, I'll go to those places. I don't care where it is. What it costs, I will go to those places. Man, I, I will share the truth, even if it's untold. Because look, I mean, it got kind of scary here for a moment. Imagine being those teenage disciples. This guy runs up probably naked with chains hanging off that he had broken. It got, it got a little tense there. And I'm going to tell you, if you were living your faith out, if you were living the way God has called you, if you were truly trying to become more and more like Christ every day, it's going to get tense. You're going to cause some disruption. You're going to cause people not necessarily to like you or want to be around you. I'm just, I'm just telling you this, that there's a world that says we've lost our identity and I want to stay lost. That's why Jesus calls us light. We walk into the dark places and we illuminate everything that's wrong when we're living for Christ. Listen, I'm not proud of it, but when I went to college years and years ago and stuff, you know, I, hung, I majored in fraternity my first two years. And our fraternity house was the local bar in Tampa. There were no windows. There were no nothing. You know how we got everybody out of there each night? We turned the lights on, <laughs> and it was like cockroaches. <laughs> I said, I'm asking for City Walk when I'm there late at night. He says, can we just get one switch? Because if we turn on the lights, everyone's going to leave really fast. <laughs> because we get used to the darkness. The world's gotten used to darkness, and we're comfortable there, and we're safe there because we don't think anybody sees. But when we walk into the room, we bear light. 
And so there's going to be turmoil. There's going to be things. But the point is with, with these people, we can answer the question. And we have to be ready to answer it at all times. Because we don't know when it's going to happen. Look at this. I mean, they just, they got out of the boat, and all of a sudden this guy runs up and is like, I'm, I'm legion. There's a thousand demons in me. I've broken chains. I'm naked. What do you want? Because that, that's the question. That's the question that they're asking us. What do you want? What, is, what does God want? What, what is this faith that you're talking about? What does it actually want? Jesus answered him. Look at verse 34 and 35. Look what happens. Demons just come out. They're in the pigs. They run down. They drown. Verse 34 says, And when the men who tended them saw what happened, they ran off and reported it in the town and in the countryside. And then the people went out to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and found the man the demons had departed from sitting, departed from sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Look at this beautiful thing. You know the answer to that, what do you want when he asked Jesus? It's very simple. He's, first he asked him, what's your name? I want to know your name. Isn't that powerful? The God that created everything, the God that spoke stars and planets and life into existence, literally just spoke it into existence, says, what's your name? See, this man had been possessed and beaten down for so long, he forgot his name because his answer was legion. He didn't even know his real name anymore. You know what your name is? My Bible says that God renames us his beloved. Do you know that? There's power in a name. There's power when we do it. We haven't done it in a while. We need to make some more. We need to put name tags out because there's power when we come up to you like, hey, how you doing? And say your name. We talk because there's power in the name because when we know the name, we say we want to know you. Not only that, he says he wants to know his name, but he wanted to help. Look at, look at what it says. It's like he's already saying, get these demons out of here. You can go on the pigs and you can do all that. But Jesus wanted to help. How many times has this man wanted someone to help him and someone had passed him by because he didn't look right? He didn't smell right. He was kind of scary looking and stuff like, I don't know about talking to that person. That person's a little agitated in my office. And so I'm not going to say anything about Jesus to them because it's just going to become a huge fight. Who cares? Everybody in down deep inside says, I want some help. For guys, it's harder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's why we don't ask for directions. That's why Google is a godsend, because we're like, I'll, I'll, I'll ask Google, <laughs> because that's not a person. Google, where do I, I mean, and I know we don't like it, but the truth is, is there's not a time in our life where any of us don't need some help. And the cool thing is, Jesus didn't <laughs> say, all right, I'll do this, but you got to go get a shower, go get cleaned up, put on a suit, come and tie, you got to be at church four times. And tithe a little bit, and then we'll, we'll talk about it. No, it, right there, right where he was. Isn't that amazing? God meets us right where we're at every time. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, what you've said. It doesn't matter any of that stuff that he meets us right there. But he loves us enough not to leave us there. 
He met him right there, John. He wanted to help. And the biggest thing that blows my mind every single day is he wanted a relationship. Did you see what it says? Then the people in verse 35, then people went out to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and found the man. The demons had departed from sitting at Jesus's feet, dressed in his right mind. And they were afraid. What do you think they were talking about? See, that's, that's why I love our faith, because it's not a religion. It's about a relationship. It's about a God that says, I want to hang out with you. I'm going to know you. I already know everything. I want you to know everything about me. And I just want to walk with you in the good and in the bad and, and all that stuff. I want to be in a relationship with you. And I can't comprehend. I don't understand how we treat our relationship with God so different than any other relationship. I mean, think about this. I've been married 30 years. I look at my what, what would happen 30 years ago for like I do, I do. Okay. All right, I'm not talking to you. Maybe, maybe on Sundays I'll talk to you. <laughs> She'd kill me. <laughs> We wouldn't have lasted. It wouldn't happen. God, it's the same relationship. He just wants us to talk to him, share our fears, our failures, everything with him. He already knows it. He says, I just want to be in a relationship with you. What a beautiful picture. No other religion on the planet has a God that says, I want to hang out. I can't wait for heaven where we can walk side by side and talk about everything face to face. And the good news is I get to do that right now, too, because he wants that relationship. That's that's the answer to the question. What do you want? I want to know you. I want to help you. And I want you to know there's a God that wants a relationship with you. That's the answer and then finally before we even get to what my message is we got to trust God for the outcome we, we, we've got to just trust God for the outcome look go down a little bit farther look at verse 36 and 37 it says meanwhile the eyewitnesses reported to them how the demon possessed man was delivered then all the people in the garrison region asked him to leave them <laughs> Because they were gripped by great fear. So getting into the boat, he returned. You imagine that? Jesus does this amazing. This guy that had terrorized the region and, and done this and, 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 and done all this crazy stuff. All of a sudden, he's in his right mind. He's whole. He's complete. He can be restored to his family. They look at that. They saw some pigs run down into the water and die. And they're like, Jesus, can you go away? Unfortunately, I think that's what's happening in a lot of our churches today. I think we're afraid that Jesus is going to show up. We're afraid that he's actually going to be there and show up. I remember there's an old story. A man, he's found a church and he loved that church. And he's like, man, I feel called to join this church. So the, the invitation came and he ran down. And he said, Pastor, I want to join this church. I want to be a part of this church. And the pastor looked at him and says, hey, that's great. But I want you to be sure. So I want you to go home and pray about it and then come back next week. So he did came back before the first note played in the invitation. He's like, no, this is where I'm going. Ran down and says, pastor, I want to join this church. The pastor's like, man, I just want you to be really, really sure. Go home and pray and come back next week. So he did. 
Third week, same thing. Ran down, grabbed the pastor's hands. Pastor, I know this is where I'm supposed to be. I want to join this church. I want to be in this church, be a part of this church. He's like, I just want you to really, really be sure. So can you go home and pray and then come back next week? And so the man went home and prayed and says, God, I don't understand. I feel like you've called me to this church. I'm, I keep trying to join and come and be a part of it. And God answered him and says, son, I've been trying to get in that church for years too. See, I think we are afraid that Jesus is going to show up because things start happening, lives start getting changed, and that worries us. And that's what happened here. But notice how Jesus responded, because not everyone we tell is going to be receptive. This message that you're about to receive, this story that you're supposed to tell, not everyone's going to be receptive. I remember when I started ministry a long, long time ago, I thought, you know, honestly, I was like, I'm God's gift to youth ministry. This is going to be amazing. I'm going to just open my mouth and lives are going to be changed. It's going to be wonderful. And I preached my first message and some kid in the back said, you're awful. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, you're going to hell. No, I'm just, (laughs) you're going to burn, son. No, but not everyone's going to be receptive. And so Jesus just kind of left. He didn't get mad. He left. But I want you to think about this for a minute. Don't you think Jesus knew those people weren't ready to hear the message? And yet he crossed that sea. And by the way, if you read earlier in the chapter, that's when that storm hit where everybody crawled up to Jesus. Don't you care if we're going to die? They almost died crossing that sea. He crossed that sea, put everybody in peril for that one guy. Tell me that you've done something or there's something in your life that God can't come and meet you at. He crossed for that one guy through a storm. It was still worth it to him. And we won't even walk across the street to our neighbors. It's a shame. So what's my message? You've been waiting for it all morning. Look at verse 38 and 39. It said, the man from whom the demon had departed begged him, begged Jesus earnestly to be with him. But he sent him away and said, go back to your home and tell all that God has done for you. And off he went proclaiming throughout the town how much Jesus had done for him. At first glance, it sounds kind of harsh. Jesus does this amazing thing in this guy's life. He's like, man, I just want to go with you. And Jesus is like, no. But it wasn't a no. It was a send. And look what he said. Go back to your home and tell all that God has done to you. Do you want to know what your message is this morning is? Share what God has done for you. That's it. Think about it. This guy was saved for like five minutes and he was ordained and sent out as one of the first missionaries. There was no training. There was no seminary. He didn't have to learn like all the Greek and the participles. He didn't have to go back and get his Hebrew done. He didn't have to write a bunch of papers and do all this stuff. He didn't have to spend years in classes and training. Jesus said, you've been changed. Now go tell people about it. That's it. There's no special training needed. There's nothing. He said, just go. And what's amazing is this area, this area that he lived in, it's called the Decapolis. It's like 10 cities. 
And his job was just to go tell everyone, this is what God has done with me. This is what God has done for me. And if we're telling that story, people are like, well, how does that work? How does it do? Then we get to share the gospel. And I know we think the gospel is really hard, so I'm going to show you something really easy. I've drawn this on a napkin. It's so simple. Here's the gospel. There is you. There is God. There is sin. We chose to do things our way. We said, God, we can do it. And now we're separated from our God. And then Christ came and he died and he built a bridge. That's the gospel. I've drawn that on a napkin. That's a better drawing than mine. When we share our story, when we share what God has done to me, man, it opens the door for us to share something even greater. This is what God has done for me and this is how he's done for me and it doesn't matter if they receive it or their lives changed at that moment or any of that part none of that matters it's not up to you you just got to tell them you just got to tell this is what god's done for me i love it newton who wrote amazing grace this is what he would preach every sunday he would say there are two things i know god is jesus is a great savior and i am a great sinner Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That was it. We don't have to worry about what's going to happen. We don't have to worry about what if they don't understand. Well, again, because in the end, and part of it, you're only part of the story. It's been noted, it's been realized that it usually takes almost like 17 conversations, 17 conversations spiritual incidents for someone actually to come and turn. I don't know how they got that average (laughs) or anything, but they figure it takes like 10 to 17 times. So you're just part of the story. That's what Paul was talking in 1 Corinthians 3, 6. He said, I planted Apollos water, but God gave the growth. See, all you got to do is share the message. And your message is just simply, this is what God has done for me. And then you trust God for the growth. Because then somebody else is going to come along maybe and, and water a little bit. And someone else is going to water, maybe prune a little bit and do something. And then one day, in God's plan, growth happens. We get to be part of stories that last for eternity if we will just share and open our mouths. That's our message. That's our mission. We're just part of the story. And in the end, again, we have to trust God for the outcome. Trust God for the outcome. Remember I told you this was called Decapolis. It was ten cities. I don't know how long in between, but in Mark 7.31, after this happens, it says, again, leaving the region of Tyre, and he went by way of Sidon to the Sea of Galilee through the region of the Decapolis. You know what happened there? 4,000 men showed up to hear Jesus speak as he fed them. From one insane naked guy on the beach to probably 10 to 12,000 people ready to hear the message. The same people that said, Go away, we're scared of you. Why? Because this guy went and told people, This is what God has done for me. I can almost imagine, I know it's not in scripture, but I can almost imagine Jesus sitting there and he feeds them all. And Mark said, you can read the story where he feeds 4,000 people, 4,000 men. Sorry, ladies, they only counted men, so it's probably 10 or 12,000 people with kids and everybody. 
And you can see that he preached and he did that. And maybe on the side he sees that man. And they lock eyes and there's just a smile on his face. And Jesus steps over and says, well done. Well done. You, you did what I told you to do. You went and told what God has done for you. And look, look now. See, we share the story. And we trust God for the outcome. But we all have to share the story. We all have to be a part of it. Listen, I, I understand it's easy. Some of you may feel like, oh, I'm ready. I'm, it's like a pep rally. I'm fired up. I'm going to go out today and go find somebody and share a story. I understand that passion leaks, vision leaks. It, it kind of goes away. And so how do we maintain that? I, I think the biggest thing is we have to be, we've got to be sure. We've got to set our minds saying, I'm going to do this. I, I'm going to pray, and, and, I, and I'm going to take time. See, because I think also what we pray about, we care about. And if you're not praying for any lost people, I'm sorry to say, I don't think you really care about them that much. I think we have to become a people of prayer. That we start lifting up names, by name, people that we know, people in our neighborhoods, people we don't even know. Like, hey, Lord, that guy that lives across the street from me, I don't know if he knows you, but man, I pray for the opportunity to speak to him. But we start praying. That's what we do on Sunday nights here, by the way. Our focus on Sunday nights is just is reverting back to just let's just pray for people to come to know Jesus. And so I challenge you, if you can, you can spare an hour on a Sunday night, start praying for people to meet God. And it's not for them to come join the church. It's not for them like this. It is so they meet God, that God's kingdom grows. Not our church, but God's kingdom grow. I think God will bless and we will grow with that. But I'm more concerned that people get to heaven and know Jesus and are in a relationship with them than whether they're on our rolls or not. I can tell you that right now. Because it's about his kingdom, not ours. And so we can pray and we can do that. And, and I think that plugs the leak in passion. That plugs the leak when we're tired and when we don't think. Because we have to go do this. Because I believe this with all my heart. I love it. Charles Spurgeon said this. Some asked, will the heathen who have never heard the gospel be saved? It is more a question with me whether we who have the gospel and fail to give it to those who have not can be saved. That's a pretty straightforward thing. That's a pretty harsh statement. But I believe with all my heart, we have a message. We, we have a message. In fact, it's not up there. I just, I just want you to hear this greatest set of questions, I think, asked in scriptures found in Romans 10. Paul writes this, how then, in 1014, how then can they call on him they've not believed in? How can they believe him without hearing about him? How can they hear without a preacher? And who can preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. We have a message. We have a message. And it is, it is just saying, this, God, this is what God's done for me. And as I said, sometimes passion leaks and, and, and we, we get lost. And so... So on each of your seats, I put one of these little pieces of paper. It says one more, and that's our theme this year. Our entire theme is like, God, just give us one more, one more Sunday, one more person we can reach, one more, whatever that one more is, that one more, just keep reaching. And I want to ask you, who is your one more? Who is that one person you know, like, I don't, I don't believe they know 
Jesus, I don't believe they know God. They're not in a relationship with him. Who's that one more that I can share what God has done for me? And I challenge you, write their name on this. And I don't want them. I want you to take it home. I want you to put it on a mirror. And every morning when you wake up, you look at it and pray, God, give me one more chance to maybe say something to them. One more chance to serve them or to love them or to share your grace with them. One more. Just this one more. And once you get that chance to do that, scratch them off and then write another name. And write another name. Just one at a time. Just one at a time. Who's your one more that you have this message that's been given to you? This is what God has done for me. And I've got to tell somebody. I've got to tell somebody. God, give me that one name. And I believe all my heart. That's a prayer that God will answer. There's not been a day where I haven't gone into work at Universal and prayed, God, give me, give me just one chance to speak to one person. That that hasn't happened. That God hasn't answered that prayer. We have to be willing to take the message. We have to be willing to share even when it's hard and when it's not, not going to be peaceful, when, when we may get backlash off it. We need to be willing to do all that. But we have a mission. We have a message. And we have a world waiting to hear it. Who's your one more? I'm going to pray for us. And as the band comes up and we sing and stuff, I'm going to just challenge you. Just sit there. Like I said, I don't want the paper. I want you to write down one name. I said, God, this week, this is my one more. This is the person I want to share this message that you've given me. Let's pray.